so much. Good morning, E3. Thank you so much for lighting the candles there. And I kept joking they should light the, the white one because then we can all open presents faster, right? That's what we all want to do, right? There's maybe only the kids. Speaking of kids, we're going to dismiss our middle schoolers with Professor Dan. Where is he? He's going that way. There he goes. Hey, they're going to take them down and eat a cheesecake, actually. And that's not made up. That is actually, he brought an entire cheesecake. So if you're hungry for cheesecake, go on down with the middle schoolers. If you'd like to stay here and have nothing, you can listen just to me. So that's all they're getting uh, if you stay here. We're so excited to have you uh, join us and welcome us. My name's Pastor Scott. I'm excited uh, you've chosen to join us pre-Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve is coming up. We're excited for those services again, three and five. And then again, no service on next Sunday. We're all taking a Sabbath day off, but three and 5 p.m. on this Christmas Eve. We'd love to have you back as we have a very uh, unique and amazing, inspiring Christmas that we'll all take on. I want to announce, before we get in the message, I'm looking for people who are called to a life of prayer. We're called to a life of prayer. So if you're called to a life of prayer and want to be praying for our church, praying for things that are happening all throughout our world, we're looking to start a new and revitalized prayer team here at E3. So if you're interested, talk to me personally, email me personally, scott at element3church.org, or just find a way to, to get my number and call me. I want to find people who are going to take the extra step and effort in saying, I want to be praying for this church and praying for Pastor Lori. Pastor Lori, coming up on stage real quick. That was perfect timing. She was off to go somewhere else, and now she's up on stage, which we did not rehearse. And of course, if I would have told her we were doing this before the service, she would have argued and she would have fixed it. So now she has no chance to because she's on stage. Everyone, this is Pastor Lori. Say hello. Pastor Lori is going to be doing what we call sabbatical, which means that she's taking a couple of months off from the week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out <laughs> of services and coming into a time of prayer and, rep- and, and preparation for a new season after that. She will be coming back. She's not leaving permanently, but from January until March. Yeah, the end of March. End of March. End of March is when she's coming back and joining us again pre-Easter. And to send her off well... We need to play a game show, folks. Are we ready for this? This is called Don't Forget the Lyrics. Round of applause. The category for Don't Let Forget the Lyrics this morning is love songs. Now, you're playing against the entire audience and our studio audience sitting at home. So... Everybody, we're going to start singing a song together. I will pick the key, and I'll give you the first couple words, but then it's up to Lori to go against the congregation. If she forgets a lyric, I'll be listening. If y'all forget a lyric, it's okay, because there's 120 of you and only one of her. Yes, good. Here we go. This is from the great band, The Righteous Brothers. Whoa, my darling. I've hungered, I've The next line word was a long, lonely time. That was, yes, close, close, close. The next one is from the band, from the musician Elton John. Elton John, so excuse me for getting, but these things I do. You see, I've forgotten if they're green. Oh, the blue. Anyway, the thing is, but I really am. 
point for her because you all weren't singing. All right, one to one, one to one. That's a horrible key for me. Thank you very much. We were just kids when we fell in love, not knowing what it was. No idea what song this is. Well done, congregation, two to one. This one's just for fun. And I I will always love you. That's all good. You tie on that one, okay? This one's a great one, okay? I've got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, Keep going. I've got the month of May. I guess you'd say, what can make me... All right, stop. Okay, that's good enough. It's a tie. Okay, okay, okay. We're still These are tied. horrible keys for I'm, me. I'm sorry. I'm a guy. Okay. <laughs> this one, this one, this one. You better know this song. Wise men say... Only fools rush in, I can't help falling in love with you. All right, one more, one more. This, we're, we're going a whole different genre, we're going country, okay? You want to go rock or country? Rock? Rock, for sure. I don't need money. I don't take fame. Don't need no credit card to ride this train. train. It's... Thank you. Congregation, applaud your winner. That's the power of love. All right. Round of applause for Pastor Lori. Whoa, 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 whoa. Real quick, real quick, real quick. We're going to go serious now. We're going to go serious now. Would everyone please stand and just extend a hand out to her, whether you're new, whether you're here for a long time. We're going to pray over her and over her sabbatical together and just give her a a sending out because this will be her last Sunday with us for an extended period, but knowing we will not forget her in this sense. So let's uh, say a prayer together. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for a little bit of fun that will actually relate to the sermon and for the opportunity we have to just celebrate and highlight Pastor Lori, the gifts you've given her, this voice you've given her to lead worship so many weeks and weeks out, the leadership vision to lead this church through a tumultuous time, and for your blessing over this time of rest, for study, and for recalibration in her life. God, I pray a blessing over her and all that she will go into this next three months with, and we say as a church body with extended hands, both here and online, amen. Thank you so much, congregation, and Pastor Lori. Well done. Good job, power of love. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a little uh, different genres. But isn't it amazing that as a society, we're so deeply obsessed with love that I just gave 50 years of song lyrics and, and amazingly, there's still more songs to be written about love. Love is a complicated thing, amen? It's layered, it involves your body, but your heart and your mind, your entire soul can be wrapped up in this thing called love. And as good Americans, we take the most complicated idea, love, and we give one word to describe it. Because I can love my kids, I can love my wife, I can love my congregation, but you don't want to get those mixed up, right? You know, I, I give my wife a kiss, I'm not going to kiss any of y'all. And you're, you're better for it, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to parent my, my children, but I'm not going to parent y'all, although some of you may need it. You think about it for a minute. See, the Greeks used three different words. They had this word called agape, which was an, an entire self of love. They had this love word that they called eros, which is where we get the word erotic from, which is more the, 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 the physical side of love. And then they had the philio, which is from the word Philadelphia. They get that from that term, which is the city of brotherly. And brotherly love is, is, is an option. Physical, romantic love is an option. And then the agape, the entire self is an option. And they at least had three words to describe, but even love can't be bottled up in those three words. See, love is much more than a feeling. Love is much more than being a brother to someone. That's a powerful love. Love is so much more than your entire self pouring into something else. Love is best modeled by Jesus Christ. So online, if you have your Bibles ready, if you're in person, if your Bibles are in Mark 15, we're going to start at verse 25, 15, 25, and we're going to unpack what true love is. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge read against him, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, he said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that may me see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults upon him. We see that in this passage, the concept of love takes on a whole new meaning. And going through chapter by chapter, verse by verse in this book of Mark, if you're coming in for the first time today, you're saying, why are you talking about the crucifixion on Christmas? It'll come clear in a moment. But as we've gone through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, looking at the understanding of who this Jesus is and what Mark's portrayal of this Jesus is, is so amazing. And understanding that this is the ultimate moment in this gospel. This is the climax. And it's a man on a cross. Many criminals who were crucified in that day and age were tied on the cross by ropes. It just so happens that Jesus is crucified on a Friday and Sabbath day, the day where there would be rest, would be on Saturday. Sorry, he was crucified on Friday and Sabbath day is on Saturday. And we see that in this day of rest, that Jesus truly finally does rest by being dead. And these criminals who be crucified would be put up on crosses on ropes. Most of the crosses of that day were just a horizontal piece and a vertical piece. But on Jesus's, if you look over here at this cross hung, it extends even higher because they had at the top of that cross a sign that said, the king of the Jews. If you remember, they placed that above their numerous languages against the, the chief priests protesting it. Don't put that up there. He only claimed to be the king of the Jews. But the entire experience of crucifixion is meant to show others not to do what the criminal did. We see that there are three who are arrested who are going to be crucified, and they're all rebels. They're assassins who are going to kill high-ranking people in the Roman Empire, likely. They were zealots of that day. And yet Jesus is transferred out for Barabbas and put on a cross to show every other person you should never claim to be the king of the Jews. You should never do what he claimed to be, which is equal to God himself. The person on the cross would have agonizing hours of pain. And it wasn't so much 
the nails and the hands or the feet that would kill the person, although that certainly had an effect. It was the fact that if you are a person and you cannot support your own lungs by having something to stand upon, you eventually will asphyxiate yourself. Don't try this. But without able to have something to stand upon, your lungs cannot fully inhale, and so the person can only, or so they can't fully exhale, so the person would only inhale constantly, and the buildup of carbon dioxide would eventually kill them. If they wanted someone to die faster, they would put nails in the hands and in the feet because it had even more pain that the person had to literally put their entire weight of their body upon the nail in the foot to take in a full breath. Traumatizing, excruciating pain. For many who they wanted to die faster because the immediate effect of the crucifixion was past. The bystanders had walked by, they saw what happened and they just wanted the event to be done. They would go through and break the person's legs because then, then truly they could not take a full breath in. We see this in the gospels where they go to break Jesus's legs and they find that he had already died by plunging the spear in his side. And so not a bone of his was broken, which fulfills the Old Testament. See, the crucifixion's torment is that death, in fact, is a relief upon the body being crucified. But remarkably, in the gospel, Mark condenses this entire experience in one phrase, and they crucified him. What is truly remarkable about the Passion sequence isn't this the climax of the crucifixion? It's the absolute truth that there are a myriad of other results of sin being poured upon Jesus in these last 24 or so hours. We see things like betrayal, beating, loneliness, denial, lies, false accusations, scourging, mockery, thievery, abuse, and of course, the end all, death. It is my belief that when Jesus comes into the world, even as a baby, this purest sense of God, of all goodness, of life itself, was like a magnet that all the heinous evils of the world, that all the powers that go against God were drawn to it to try and snuff it out, to extinguish it. And Jesus never let that happen until the cross. When all these evil powers were foolishly believing, yes, we did it. We killed him. He's done. The world's ours now. And three days later, whoo, he shows evil truly what's going to happen to them. Every gospel writer, but specifically Mark, highlights that throughout his book, there's been a momentous place where the first reader and witnesses would think that Jesus had lost, that evil somehow had won. But we have to look at the incarnation in a similar way. See, the incarnation mirrors the crucifixion. What do I mean by that? Well, just imagine for a moment that you are God. And some of you may be getting elbows in the side of your rib cage from your spouse, okay? Because maybe you claim to be that in your marriage, or maybe you claim to be that with your kids or something like that. You are God. You have every power under the sun, you created everything. You sustained everything by your very being. How cool are you? We're just imagining you aren't literally God, just so you know. And you give up your entire God self to put on flesh and to become a little tiny baby. I know the hymn away in the manger 
So there's no crying he makes. But I'm pretty sure that little baby Jesus at some point cries. I'm pretty sure that little baby Jesus had his little ancient cloth diaper changed a couple times. I'm sure that little baby Jesus was so dependent upon Mary and upon Joseph, even as they flee to Egypt, even as they come back, that this infant Jesus who was God a moment ago and now is a tiny, delicate, fragile person. Though we know very little about his childhood, except that he runs away when he's 12. This little infant who was God at one point and then became man, empties himself out not just once, but twice on the cross. Don't think that Christmas is just about giving. Christmas is about truly giving. Giving your entire self because of the love you have for someone else. Well, let's pick it back up in Mark 15, verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's separation. For the first time ever, this triune God is separate. And we don't understand how it happens but Jesus is left on his own on that cross. The theological implications and how we understand God is terrifying and yet so enlightening that God the Father and God the Son who have such a divine connection through Jesus' entire life, it's all of us separated and will be reunited at the resurrection. Verse 35, when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled the sponge with wine and vinegar, put it on a staff, offered to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who was there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and Joseph, and Salome. We see that all these women follow Jesus, and they're there to the very end to watch his death on this cross. We see that the temple being torn in two show that there's no more division between God and man, that God, as man, has come to live among us and set us free And while he may not have cried when he was born in this little stable, Jesus cried his loudest cry, giving up his spirit on that cross. See, friends, this is true love. Love is commitment. And love is sacrifice. While I certainly understand that there are many reasons why love is, in our individual context, may change and evolve and and become different. I'm not just talking about marriages. Those marriages are included. God shows us this purest form of love beyond any Greek word you could ever imagine, beyond any human word that we could express. This act of crucifixion and this act of coming as a baby is a form of love that we can never quite understand, but boy, does it change our entire lives. 
It changes our entire trajectories, how we should live our life. And friends, for those who need to hear it this morning, whether in person, online, or if they're watching later on in the week, I just want to remind you of this as we enter into this season of Christmas. With so much unrest, with so much craziness around, not just at Element 3 Church, but I'm talking about the world in general. Just read this on the screens and just let it sink in and just take a deep breath, okay? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I'm not talking about some kind of love where you just want to be kind of like, oh yeah, he, he loves me. No, Jesus loves you. Loves you so much that he's willing to come as a baby and loves you so much he's willing to die for your sins. He, he becomes that sacrificial lamb. He gives everything away because he loves you. It's not about anything you've done or will do or can do. Jesus loves you unconditionally. It doesn't matter your background, your height. It doesn't matter what anything about you. It's that he loves you because he made you and he wants to spend eternity with you. Some of you are, as a song lyrics that they sang, some of you still haven't found what you're looking for. It's right here. It's that Jesus loves you so much. He's willing to become a human and willing to die on a cross. And at his name, every knee would bow on earth and under the earth. The rest of Paul's writings, Peter's, John's, and James's, the entirety of the New Testament commands, calls out, and shows that we encounter and embrace this love. You can do nothing else but reflect it to others in God's creation. So have you encountered this love? Have you embraced this love? Will you let this love embrace you, the outsider, and challenge and change you to become an insider? Jesus dies for all of us for the hope that all will be transformed. This Christmas, we look at love differently and therefore look at love and love others differently. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and bring us this love.